honor and privilege for me this morning. I have to be on my best behavior for my parents are in the building. Um, so my parents have been part of the church of London for 30, 40, 35 years. Very long time. My dad's been on the board there for also a very long time. So they've been pastoring there. Um, Delphi and I have learned a lot off them more than we have wisdom and prayer and some guidance, so it's a huge honour for us to have them here. So if we can give them a uh, warm welcome this morning. Thank you, Sandra. Number one, son. Hotel at one stage, and you had baptisms in the fish pool, was it? It wasn't a full swimming pool? Yeah, okay, yeah, so it was cool, it was awesome. Yeah, pretty good, okay, bless you guys. Nice meet again. Thank well, let's just pray. Father, we thank you for our time of worship. We love you. We want to grow in you. We want to become more like you. I pray today that you'll help every one of us here to change and, and move forward in God one step. So thanks as we commit our time to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Okay. The world has changed. It's changed. Where are we heading? And what can we do about it? It's like a giant button has been pushed in heaven and events of the world have changed. I've studied prophecy a lot for 50, over 50 years. Uh, you know, I think I'm a student of prophecy. I think I know not bad. And I'm just going to mention some of the things that uh, I want to say that kind of should shape our thinking and our behaviour with where we are heading in life. Whatever role you play in, in, in life, uh, we're all caught up in this world together. We're all moving forward together. The Bible tells us that there are events that will take place in the days ahead. Now, many of these events have already taken place in the past, but now the tempo is picking up. The speed and, and the thrust of these world events will consistently shape our thinking and our lives. So I'm going to mention some of them. I'm not going to go into detail. I'm going to mention a reference. I would suggest you don't look it up right now. Just write it down and afterwards look it up because I'll move on to several other points once I've said that. So this is one here. It says, The sun, the moon, the stars, the distress of nations and the sea and the waves are roaring. The Bible tells us that in the last days, the climate will be affected and impacted. Luke 21, verse 25. It tells us this another verse. Nation will be against nation. There will be great earthquakes, 
famines and pestilences. Now, pestilence is a nice word for plagues. Who knows what pestilence we've just been through? COVID-19. Wow, that was something else. And that's Luke 21, verse 10 to 13. The Bible says in the last days, plagues are going to increase. The Bible says in the last days that weather events are going to increase. Not that we haven't had them, but they are on the increase. And when you put them all together, it's really quite interesting. The Bible says, A loaf of bread will sell for a day's wages. Now that really is famine, isn't it? That's Revelation 6, verse 6. We are going to see increased economic pressure coming on planet Earth. Just an aside, because it interests me a great deal, is, this the, uh, is the world economy. Do you know what the world debt is? Do you know how much the world owes? It will blow your mind. It's over $300 trillion. And guess what? It can't pay it. The, uh, the GDP of all the nations together is about $19 trillion. So, it, you know, if you had a life living like that, you would be in some problems. Well, guess what? Planet Earth is in its heading somewhere too. But, you know, now most of this is bad news, but don't worry. God has it in control. God is in charge. God sets the agenda. He does. He does it in your life and my life as well. But I am seeing this just to let you know what's coming up. When you hear of these things, Jesus said, don't be terrified. But the end is not yet. Luke 21, verse 9. There will come in the time of the end, God said to Daniel, many will run to and fro. Travel will increase, and even much more rapidly now that things are getting back to normal. And knowledge will increase. Technological knowledge is on the increase. AI is the newest one. Who knows where the robotics are going to go? There's a hint in Revelation 13 of the Antichrist and a robot. But uh, we won't go there today, but that's quite interesting. It is true. It is true. It is in Scripture. Isn't it great that God has written the script? Look, we don't need to be fearful. And we don't need to be terrified. See, there's two reactions we can have. One is we can, we can, uh, we can just bury our head in the sands of, don't want to know about this, it's too scary. But, you know, God wrote the beginning and right to the end, He wrote the whole thing. And guess what? We win. Yeah. We're in the winning team of God. Yeah. And the provision of God and the protection of God are clear and certain for His people. Yeah. Just keep close. Just keep close to God. Yep, as the Bible says, as, oh, that was Daniel 12, 4, as in the days of Lot, and Noah, so will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So evil will be on the increase. We know about that in the days of Lot. There was uh, wicked things taking place there. Just two more signs. Okay. Isaiah 11, verse 11. It's an easy one to remember. It says that the nation of Israel will come back to her land and will be a banner and a sign for the nations. Guess what happened? In 1948, something that had never happened in the history of planet Earth, a nation that had been scattered to the far corners of the Earth, God had said hundreds and hundreds of years before Israel, I'm going to bring you back a second time to your land. And on May 14, 1948, the state of Israel began again. An absolute miracle that God had promised would happen. God wrote the beginning from the end. He knows it all. 
And now, so much of planet Earth will centre around the Middle East and Israel. It says in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, that Israel is like a, a cup of trembling that is just going to cause so many headaches for the nations. We can see right now what's taking place, can't we? Um, it's very interesting, but Israel, what happens in Israel is often a sign of what will happen in the church days to come. First natural Israel, and then Galatians 6, spiritual Israel. So what happened in 1948? Israel became a nation. Within about a year or two, after that took place, and there was a real advancement of that nation, God raised up many amazing evangelists that came across, particularly in America, but around the globe, people like Billy Graham, Oral Roberts, T.L. Osborne, just amazing people that God raised up and had wonderful miracle ministries. The church moved forward. The next major thing that happened in Israel was in 1967. What happened in 67 was called the Six-Day War. And, and Israel took a lot of land and made a lot of advances. What happened in the church in the year or two following that was what was called the charismatic move. Was there anybody around back then? Was it just me? <coughs> the only one? Well, I tell you, um, I was an atheist, right? And I grew up, and I mean, didn't know God, didn't know church, didn't know anything. And I got saved into what was called the charismatic move and the Jesus move. And, uh, you know, I've been walking, I wasn't even a Christian. And I was walking up Christchurch Main Street, Columbus Street, crowd of 15,000 people. And I'm yelling out, give me a chain. And they go, chain? And oh, listen to me. So I said, give me an E. And I spelled out the name Jesus. And they declared his name. And that was taking place, and I'm, I'm sure it's happening here in Australia. I came to Australia in 73 as a new Christian and went to the biggest church in Sydney at that time. It was called Sydney Faith Centre on the North Shore. And I mean, that was a happening place. Things were happening. They were moving. And uh, there was a great outreach. We went down to a place called Goldburn. And uh, I got witnessing to a witch. And uh, she began to manifest. And it was just exciting. You know, the spirit level was up in the church. And God was on the move. And countless... Um, Tens of thousands were coming to Christ. The church that I was saved in, every single night, we would see, uh, every Sunday night, 20 people getting saved. Night after night after night, it just went on and God was on the move. What had happened in Israel in 67, in the natural, God was doing in the spiritual, in the church. 73, God moved again in Israel. Sadly, the day of atonement, they were attacked. It was a terrible day. They never got wiped out. And God was really dealing with Israel. And the same thing has happened in the church. Now, 50 years later, virtually to the day, certainly to the month, 50 years later, Israel is attacked again. I believe this is a prophetic thing, and, the, and maybe not in next week, but in the days to come, we're going to see something happening in the church. It's quite remarkable, but God will turn it for good. So, what happens in Israel will take place in the church, prophetically speaking. Where are we heading? Well, we are finally heading for what's called Armageddon. And Armageddon is when all the nations, or many of the nations, gather around Israel to wipe Israel out. And right at that time, when they're just about gone, Jesus in heaven appears. And, and, and the wonder is, it's, it's seen across the globe. It's on CNN and Fox News and, and uh, ABC and all the other great Australian channels, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, people go... This is, what is that, you know? And Christ returns, wipes out those armies that are attacking Israel, rescues Israel and Jerusalem, and sets the kingdom on earth for a thousand years to rule and reign. The key is you want to be there with them, don't you? I do anyway. So the key is to be there with them. So what is going to happen leading up to that in all these events? There's going to happen a great 
end time revival. Yeah. And that is throughout scripture. Amazing uh, number of, I, I would guess, possibly billions, but certainly multiplied millions being swept into the kingdom of God. Matthew 13 and verse 39, it says, The harvest is the end of the age. So the harvest comes in right at the end before Christ returns, the days in which we are living. I'm not saying Christ's going to come back next week or even next year because it's a few little things to happen yet, but He is on the way. The countdown has begun and we are in the midst of that. And, uh, you know, I know it's a long time ago, but when Israel got attacked in 1973, I had a friend of mine, I was at Teachers College at the time, and he was a tough guy, he was a boxer, he didn't like me, he was, you know, quite strong, you know, I was a bit intimidated by him, and um, I better push my buttons when I started, too, I forgot to push that. Where's the time? I don't need to watch this. Leave it Okay, right. Thank you. So anyway, his name was Craig. And, and we'd witnessed to him. I just got saved and we were witnessing and witnessing to this guy. And he was really hard. But when he saw Israel getting attacked, and this was 1973, right? And it looked like they were going to get wiped out. He thought, oh, this must be Armageddon. And you know what? He got saved. Isn't that great? You know, end time stuff is really cool to share. But the amazing thing and the sad thing and the wonderful thing is this. Craig was probably 23 at the stage. He developed cancer, terminal cancer. Within 18 months, he had died. And I visited Craig on his deathbed. I said, how are you, Craig? He said, yeah, I'm okay. He said, I know where I'm going. I know it. I know it. You know, he had responded to Christ in his heart. At the end of the day, what matters in life? This eternity is not what happens here. It really, really is. So what can we do? I think the responsibility that you and I have is to help God to usher in the greatest revival in history. And there's four things this morning that I want to share with you for you to consider. And maybe one of them might really stick with your heart. The first one is the area of prayer. God says that my people, called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. God wants to heal Australia. God wants to heal you. God wants to heal your family. God wants to come. He's a healing God. But there's a big if there, and it says, if my people. God is looking for an if. Would you be that one who's going to respond? I love the fact you have a prayer meeting every week on Thursday. And I was amazed at the time. It's 7 o'clock. Back home where I am, we have ours at 6 o'clock. But this is a really good time, Pastor Rod. 7 is very convenient. Everyone could probably make that premium. Why don't you come? So, it says in Ezekiel 22, verse 30, God said, I look for a man, I look for a woman to stand in the gap for the nation. But I found no one. No one. No one would put their hand up and pray and seek the face of God. And there's one thing I have noticed and observed in the, in, in the church over the last several decades is the amount of prayerlessness that has increased. The lack of prayer that has gone down. And I believe it breaks the heart of God. And God looks afresh to His people and says, Hey guys, will you respond? Will you stand in the gap? Will you say yes to me? Will you come and pray? Yeah. 
You know, if we stay as we are, things will continue to go on the path they are going. But they don't have to. We can make a change. We have the power because Christ is in us. And if we begin to pray, we might think, oh, what a, a very ordinary prayer. But God says, hey, I love that. Thank you. That's great. I will use that and I will flow with that. One of my favorite revivals is, is in a place called the Hebrides. And the Hebrides was Donald Trump. You know Donald Trump, right? He's pretty famous. Well, Donald Trump's mother got saved in this revival. She got saved, right? And uh, it was very powerful, very supernatural revival. And these two old ladies started it off. They were, I would ask for a show of hands, because it's not me, right? But no one here is over 80, right? So these two old ladies, uh, the Smith sisters, over 80, Peggy and Christine Smith. Peggy was blind, and, and Christine had a bad limp, like that, really powerful people. And they just said, we feel God wants to bring revival. And this is just off Scotland, the Hebrew Islands. And that, what they began to do, they began to pray, and they took two nights a week, 10 o'clock at night they started, to 3 a.m. in the morning, crying out to God. God, send revival. I'm sure they were very quiet, little prayers, oh God, send revival. But you know, God doesn't need big loud prayers. I thought it be quite loud, but um, not today. And um, <laughs> you know, God, it just needs the heart. Yeah. And they began to cry out. After about two months, they really felt, yeah, God's heard us. And they said to this guy, come, and he said, no, I'm too busy. And they said, you know, message back, no, you'll need to come. I'm going to pray about this. And he did pray and came there. And, uh, you know, just amazing events happened. 75% of the probably thousands that got saved, 75% got saved outside of church. No one having preached to them. On one occasion on the Friday night, uh, early in the revival, the church is praying. It's about midnight. It's pretty cool. And they're praying. And in a dance hall down the road, there's about 100 youth. And they're dancing away and doing their thing. And suddenly at midnight, God spoils their party. Because this intense conviction of sin just can't measure. And just in that dance thing with all that's going on there. And they were just so troubled. Just so troubled. They ran out of that dance and looked for the nearest church. And, and just after midnight, the pastor hears about this. And he goes to the, to the prayer meeting. And there's 800 people in the church. Mainly unsaved. All over the floors. Crying out. And he has to fight his way up the front to get to the pulpit to talk. And as he gets up, right there is the, uh, the teacher, the school teacher, bawling her eyes out, pleading, Is there mercy for me? Is there mercy for me? Is there mercy for me? Just out of nothing to that. That is God. And that's what we're talking about with the revival. The power of God coming into your work situation. God's power to your neighbor, to that unsafe family member. This is the God we serve. I've seen him in Tomesha in the past. I know he can do it again, friends. If we will pray. That's what he said. If my people will pray, I will hear. So the challenge is to you and me. Why don't you come to that half hour of prayer? Maybe you can't do four hours, but you can start sometime. But come. Come and pray. So the first one, we can bring revival, is through prayer. Number two. And this is the one that affects us all. It's the area of forgiveness. Dealing with the giant of unforgiveness. So often, if you're like me, we don't even recognize that we have it. Yeah. It can be that my heart has simply switched off to you. 
and you know you're there, but I, I can't sense. I've just I've just switched off to you. And I got back into talking about that a while ago. As a person, and uh, and I had just switched off, and I really felt God say, "You need to sort this." No one would have known. I think they would have known because there wasn't that warmth that there had been. But no one would have known. And I began to pray and cry out to God. And I had to pray and pray and pray. And eventually I got there and it was just great. But I concluded this. Do you know how in your, your blood vessels you've got this thing called plant, we're told to always avoid? I think when we start to harden our hearts, we've, something they've done or said has hurt us, and we start to harden our hearts like plant comes inside spiritually and it just thickens and the life of God is blocked slowly and surely and if we don't deal with it it becomes a root of business that is serious the Bible only says there are two roots that are bad one is the love of money is a root the other is a root of bitterness and bitterness comes when I won't forgive so the first step is to recognise that. That was it. I said, oh God, I'm so sorry. And the thing with um, forgiving that person, it's all for my sake. Because really, they just carry on. You know, so forgiveness is for my sake. And forgiveness doesn't mean they are right. It doesn't mean they're right. And it doesn't mean I'm going to trust them. It doesn't. It's okay not to trust. And I think there's three people that sometimes we, we need to forgive. One is the other person. The other one is God. Because sometimes we perceive that God has so let us down. It's okay to feel that way. Because it's life. And it's very important to process that as well. And the third person is yourself. Oh, we can be so hard on ourselves, but it will block the life of God. And God does not condemn us. He is the most wonderful person. He understands more than anyone our own battle struggles. He says, it's okay, I'm with you. So today, if you are just, you're just a deepness in your heart towards a person, just say, God, please help me forgive them. And just keep working on it. It begins with a decision, but that's not the end of it. I had to pray through until I could feel my heart warp towards that person. That's the end of the process. See, you begin with a decision, but that's not it. You must go all the way through to where there's a warmth in your heart. And make sure that is towards yourself as well. I tell you, it will open up opportunities that you would not believe. Number three. Um, look, I just to plug here. This is an advertisement, um, unashamed, the one minute evangelist. Um, on Instagram and Facebook. That is, that is me. Okay, that one minute evangelist. Right. So I love to share my faith. I kind of got into it about 20 years ago. I thought, oh, yeah, I can do this. This is cool. So anyway, so I'm regularly out on the streets and in the malls and having a great time. And it, it, I was amazed when I began to first do it. One, how polite people are. And two, how open people are. Most people are very open, actually, to hearing about God. Well, you think he's putting sentiment in your heart. That makes sense, doesn't it? 1 Peter 3.15 tells us to give up an answer to those who ask you for the reason for the hope you have. So, it says, when you're asked by an unsafe person, why do you, you, know, why do you believe what you believe? Then tell them. 
But if you're like me, no one asks me. They know. Yeah. Who, I mean, who's here has been asked in the last 12 months about your faith? You've actually been asked, approached by someone else. Yeah, a few do, and that's awesome. And well done, you. that's great. Well, I haven't had that privilege, and most of us haven't either. So, you know what? I am not waiting for the opportunity. I am creating the opportunity. We can create it. We can do this, and we can do it very safely. We have a responsibility to do this. This is part of end-time revival. One was prayer, two was forgiving others, and three is making opportunities. This is our moment, and we do it with what I call an icebreaker. An icebreaker, I'll give you my little story here. Uh, so you would have may have heard Pastor Tart talk recently on um, digging a ditch and buying a shovel. Well, as a staff member, I thought, oh, I'd better buy a shovel. I'd be a good boy, so I went and bought my shovel. <laughs> <laughs> and I where's a cheap place? Oh, yeah, the warehouse. It's pretty cheap there. So I went along to the warehouse on a Saturday morning. I was out witnessing anyway, so I was using my time. So I go into the warehouse, and there's the guard there. You know, um, yeah, okay. He, he was there, it's a security person. And I said, oh, look, I'm looking to buy a shovel. Where are they? Do you know? He, he, he pointed the direction. So I went down, got my shovel, $14, pretty good. Came back, bought it. How am I going to turn this into a witnessing situation? Right. So, as I'm looking out, I said, oh, yeah, I bought the shovel. Thanks very much. Our pastor has just been preaching about digging ditches at church. What is that? That is an icebreaker. Could anyone be offended at that? No. Not at all. So guess what he said? Okay. <laughs> that was it. That was it. Okay. So thank you. Goodbye. I didn't carry on. Why didn't I carry on? Because he wasn't interested. See? Little risk. Check where they're at. Poke them. And no, not much interest. Let it go. But, fast forward a couple of weeks, we were driving down... Uh, to Hamilton, we stopped into the cafe, got to chat to the guy who owned the cafe, he's from Cambodia. Now, I've been to Cambodia. So I said, chat, chat, chat. I said, oh, I've been to Cambodia on a missions trip. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. And then he says about three minutes later, oh, do you go to church? I said, Yes, I do. And then I said, and I used to be an atheist and didn't believe in any God. But I met with Jesus. He changed my life. He said, oh, wow. I've never had that. See what happened? The icebreaker, you broke the problem. See what they had? There was a response that was good. Now, now I'm free to talk. And so I did. So I've learned to make virtually every situation I am in. If you're talking to me, it's quite quite dangerous because you'll get something. A while ago, not, not proud of this, but I I was speaking in my car. I was driving home from golf and I was trying to be real cool with Siri and sent a text to my lovely wife. I said, hey Siri. So I got all locked, locked up and I did set my, my thing, but I, I just got the speed. And uh, next thing you know, there's a and the turning around. Oh, yeah. So anyway, she comes up to me, the very nice lady police officer. I'm super respectful. So, what am I doing? Hey, I've got an invite here. Can I? So she's I said, you can be a ticket. Can I give you something? <laughs> 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 Christmas in the car park thing. At 
she took it there, and we had a nice chat, and she said, oh, you'll get the, um, you know, the notice in a few weeks. But guess what happened? Never, ever came. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> no, you will be surprised what can happen when you will share the Lord with people. There are side benefits. Now I'm not saying that you should, uh, you should do anything here. So I have just a little point on all of this. So, so I talk to a lot of people, right? And I'm always very careful. I hate rejection. I don't want rejection. I want you to like me. So I'm very careful what I say. So I just share stuff like that. I got talking. Um, so, but people have got issues. See, why aren't they a Christian? There's an issue in their life. There's always an issue. So that I try and get to it before I try and pray for them. So I was talking to a lady at a funeral recently, and this is what she said. She was 90, and she said, uh, and she's not telling me. She, when she was 16, she was a student nurse and got raped. She's now, that's like 74 years later. She's holding on to that. It's buried in her heart. She's trying to find through DNA who this person, like, you know, like there's all the stuff going on. Yeah, unless we are able to somehow, as we share the Lord, get the person to trust us enough to bring out what is the issue. And just I'll finish with one final story. A couple of weeks ago, I was, I was on the main street going down by a Henderson store, and uh, two girls along there, there's this guy, so I offer him a brochure. I said, Oh, hello, can I give you a brochure for that church? Like, you know, get the offer it out to them, and if they take it, look out, you've got to get it now. So he took that, and so we got chatting, and he was very open actually, shared the Lord, and he said, Oh, I've got a problem. And he told me his problem. He says, I love money too much. I said, Oh, that's so refreshing, you're being honest. That's right, it is a problem. And I said, I've been in business, and we were two doors down from where he is now. He was the old ASB uh, bank moved into a two-dollar store, but it's a very big one. And we had a great conversation, so I'm going to follow that one up. So as you're witnessing and you're sharing, and you're doing the icebreaker, always think, what is the issue below the surface that's stopping repentance? So you see, repent and believe. They can't believe until they repent. And repentance is ongoing as well. So always remember that. So the Bible says, how will they know unless they hear? And how will they hear Unless someone goes and tells them. So I take it as my responsibility to create an opportunity to bring in this end time harvest, to scatter the seed and wherever I can to do that. Why don't you consider doing the same? You could do that. Just figure out something that works for you. That's an icebreaker. And if they're not interested, hey, you finished. Don't have to carry on any further. But if they are, you can take it further. The fourth and final thing this morning I want to talk about is the area of the power of God. Number one was prayer. Number two was forgiving. Number three was making opportunities. And number four is learning to flow in the power of God. I thank God today that it is His job to heal. It's His job to move in the Spirit and in power. But it's our job to begin to reach out. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not just word, it is power. Yeah. These signs will follow them that lead. Yeah. On some of their very first occasions when I began to pray for people, I was so scared or I didn't hear anything back. But a while ago I was praying for a lady and she had a sore back that was there for some time. I just looked and I prayed for you, I prayed for her. She didn't tell me anything, she went off. I didn't hear anything, didn't know who she was. But she knew someone in our church who uh, worked with her, who told her that she said, after he prayed, the day after, my back was fully healed. God, you know, a miracle. Now, she didn't get saved. She didn't tell me. 
but God will move. And um, I remember on one occasion uh, in a shop, and I'm not sure if Tim or Rob will remember this, a, a guy called Jason Witt actually was a customer, a very good customer, and he was a, he was a short, stocky guy. He made the best bodybuilders active because they are so compact. And um, and I could be in a sort of fitness world, I can be a lot of track. So anyway, but he was lifting such heavy weights that he had damaged his arm. He, he said, I've got this real bad tennis elbow, I can't work. So he's a really hard guy, and out of his mouth, it was pretty bad. And so, uh, but I said, look, Jace, could, could I pray for you? And it took me a lot of courage to do that. And he said, yeah, okay, mate, yeah, yeah. So, so it's quite embarrassing, people around, but I thought, I'm going to give this a go. And I remember praying for him, feeling quite red and quite embarrassed, praying a pathetic prayer, and off he went. But he came back to the store two days later, hey, see, look, God miraculously healed this heathen guy of... Absolutely, you know, tennis elbow can be quite serious if you've ever had it. And if you're a bodybuilder lifting weights, it's a real problem. And I've seen a number of occasions, there was a guy who played in the final today, um, for the All Blacks, unfortunately. Um, and I met him on a plane about 10 years ago, coming back from Christchurch. And, uh, and I was really trying to push him for more of God. And I read my Bible, he's on the plane next to me, he's 19 at that stage. And, um, and I, it God gives me a word for him. That God's going to take him forward in his career of rugby play, and he, he sure did. But I also had a warning that I had to share with him as well. So God gave me a word for him. If you are open and give these things a go, you will be amazed at what God can do. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you try? Let's, let's believe God for his supernatural power to come, because it's going to increase in these last days. The power of the enemy is on the increase, nothing for God. You know when the enemy comes in like a flood? The Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. We serve the God of revival. We serve the God who wants to take His church forward. We serve the God who wants His people to begin to pray. Why don't you consider this morning making a step in prayer? What is one thing that you could do to make a step up in God? What about the area of forgiveness? Is, is your heart maybe a bit hard or cold towards someone? You're not aware of being unforgiving, but unless it's full of warmth and love, maybe that's so. And I'm speaking to myself here as well. Why don't you make a step? What about the area of taking opportunities, making them happen? Don't wait for things to happen. Don't wait for people to ask you. Rather, step out and reach out to them. And finally this morning, the area of the power of God. We serve a God of power. Power is on the increase. We are certainly seeing a lot more healings in our church in probably the last six months than I have seen in 35 years. Consistently see significant healings. Expect to see it, not just in your church and your services. What about in your home? What about in your job? What about on the street? Our God is alive. We serve a living God. He is for you and He is in you today. Would you just close your eyes for a moment, please? First of this morning, I'm just going to ask this question of you. Where do you stand with God? You know, God loves you very much, but the Bible tells us that God's Spirit speaks to our spirit that we are children of God. In other words, we know. And whenever I talk to people, I say this, I say, hey, one day when you die, now we don't know where that's going to be, it could be a long way away, but we're all going to be in that box one day. One day when you die, do you know you're going to heaven? Do you know? Or do, are you hoping? Because if you're hoping, you're going to be depending on the wrong things. You're going to be depending on being a good person. I'm sure you're a great person. Well, you're going to depend on, well, I go to church, that's great. But no church is going to save you. The only person who's going to save you is Jesus Christ, who took your sin and my sin 
And he hung on the cross after being terribly beaten and whipped and took the punishment for our sin. And today God says, I want to take that off you. I don't want you to carry that. I don't want you to bear that because when you die, you've already made your choice. So why don't you make a choice today? God, I want to make my peace with you. If that is you this morning, friend, you say, yes, I'm going to say yes to God. I'm going to say, I'm going to make my peace with God and I'm going to know sin's forgiven. If that is you this morning, you like that, I'm going to pray for you. Please lift your hand right now. Be courageous, be bold. God's for you. We love you. But this is your opportunity. None of us know how much time we've got. We only have now. If you're not sure, please put your hand up. I'll see it. I'll acknowledge it. And we'll move on. If that is you this morning and you're not sure where you stand, why don't you say yes to Jesus? Just raise your hand. Put it down once you've done that. I'll give you a moment. God loves you. If you just feel that God is speaking to your heart, thank you. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Well done, you. God bless you. Amen. But that's how you do it. It really is. That's it. It's that simple and giving God everything that you possibly can. And if you do this morning, you've got to join this one. You've got to make sure of your salvation. You know, when we stand before God, He's going to say, Why shall I let you to heaven? What are you going to say? The only thing he wants to hear, because I gave my life to Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that, this is your moment. I'm going to finish in just a minute. Please raise your hand and let me see it. Don't delay. Don't let the devil say another time. Today is what time you have. Okay, we're almost finished. I'm just going to, I think, hand back to Pastor Rob on this one here. Okay, so Pastor Rob's going to hand back to you now. Thank you. Just stand this morning, please. We're all just going to pray and pray together. So if we can all just close our eyes, I'm going to say a prayer. If we can just all repeat this out loud, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I confess 